Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the first session of Interpreting the Word of God. My name is Dr. De Leon and we are going to be talking about a topic that comes out of the 24th chapter of Luke using the New King James Version. And beginning at the first verse, the scripture reads as follows. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb when they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were, greatly perplexed about this. Behold, two men stood by in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid, bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary of Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down he saw the lines, the linen cloths, lying by themselves. He departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. This, of course, is a passage of Scripture that we hear many times during the Easter season. And, of course, if we had a title for this part uh, or for this message, it would be called, He is Risen. And so, friends, it is something that people choose to believe, people choose not to believe, people are perplexed about, and people many times are trying to come to believe, but are not sure of. Uh, what I mean by that is that there are many people in the world, some of which are believers and followers of Christ, some of which are struggling to find Christ, some who maybe have been serving Christ and have uh, stopped serving, have, shall we say, drifted away. And then there's those that just are not sure whether they should believe or not believe in Christ. And the truth is that many people uh, sometimes are turned off by some of the things that we find in the Bible because they feel, well, uh, the Bible is an old book and this is uh, written by some people way back when and, and they had different beliefs and thoughts back then and I don't know whether to believe that or not. And It is important, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, friends, it is important for us to realize Jesus Christ is the reason that the Bible was written to begin with. There are many, many, of course, passages that we find in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the 66 books uh, that we find that tell us about the times that uh, Moses lived in, Abraham lived in, uh, David lived in. And then, of course, we have these times in, in the uh, newer part of the Scripture, uh, the New Testament, in which we find out about Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, it is important, first and foremost, to realize that when we are talking about Christ, when we are talking about the Bible, when we are talking about uh, who Jesus is in our lives and His importance, uh, it is 
crucial for us to remember and to realize that salvation is the term that is used to express to others uh, what it means to be serving Jesus Christ. In other words, uh, you may hear people say, well, I've been saved or I'm a born-again Christian. And many times people get confused by that and they, they don't understand because they're thinking about this in, in carnal, physical terms. How can a man go back into his mother's womb when he's grown? Uh, and we actually find something similar to that in the scripture. And of course, they have trouble understanding that. It can't be born again. You're born one time. That's it. And it, brothers and sisters, it's not a physical process that we're speaking of. It is a spiritual uh, cleansing, a spiritual justification, a spiritual renewing that occurs through the sacrifice that Jesus Christ gave. Uh, before this time that we're reading in chapter 24 of Luke here, we find that Christ is going to be crucified. And he goes to a cross at a place called Calvary. Uh, and he gives his life. The Bible tells us that no man takes his life from him, that he chooses to lie his his life down and that he has the power to pick it back up. In other words, Jesus goes willingly to that cross. He allows man, in other words, to crucify him. Uh, man and even the devil, the enemy, not realizing at the time what really is happening and what is occurring is that Jesus Christ uh, is actually what is known as the Lamb of God. In the Old Testament, we find that there were uh, many rituals that had to be followed by the people that were serving the Lord and that in order for them to be forgiven for the sin that they had committed, they had to sacrifice a lamb. And so there were all these steps that they had to do. Uh, all the, the lamb had to be a certain type of lamb. They had to bring them to a certain place, a certain altar with certain dimensions within a, a certain place. And there are all these things that had to occur in order, in order for them to bring themselves and their sin before God and that God would forgive them for that. And this was a, an ongoing thing they had to do uh, year after year. And so in today's day and age, uh, we don't have those sacrifices occurring uh, since the time that Jesus came and actually gave his life. The Bible says that he, Jesus Christ, was tempted in all points. In other words, he was tempted as man is uh, in every way, uh, but that he did not sin. And so this is very important because the reason that death enters into the world to begin with is because sin enters into the world. And as sin enters into the world, sin is literally the missing of the target, the missing of, of being on target with what the Lord expects from us. And that sin separates us from God. And the only way for our relationship with God to be reconciled to the point uh, that it was when it first uh, began, when God would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden, and they had that relationship unhindered. Uh, as sin came into the world, it caused that division between man and God. And the only way for that relationship to be renewed, to be restored, to be replenished, was for a sacrifice to be given. And so that's why all, all of these sacrifices had to be done with these lambs that would be brought to the altar and sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus Christ, he becomes the one sacrifice that can occur 
to pay the price once and for all. So in other words, in, instead of just all these bulls, all these sheep, all of these animals being sacrificed year after year after year, the perfect sacrifice had not yet been given. So those are really sacrifices that were pointing toward uh, kind of a prophetic, if you will, pointing toward the future when a lamb of God would come and give his life for the forgiveness of sin. Because remember, when sin enters into the world, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And then it tells us through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, the sacrifice, the payment for the sin that was committed has been given. And the way that that occurred is Jesus Christ coming, allowing himself to be crucified. Once he is crucified, of course, sin is at that point has been paid for. But death has now taken Christ. And so remember, Christ lives. He has lived a life where he was tempted in all points, yet without sin. The Bible says that death came because of that sin. And so if he was sinless, then death really should not have any power over him. And so as Christ dies, he's not paying for his own sin because he's sinless. He's paying for the sins of humanity, you and me, you and I, brothers and sisters. And as he pays for the sins of humanity, then the question comes, okay, death has taken him, now what? And so Jesus Christ rises from the dead. He takes his life back up, as he said to us. And so as Jesus Christ rises from the dead, then now he is the first that is risen and not only risen but risen into eternal life where death can no longer have a hold on him where sin cannot have hold of him the devil can't have a hold of him and so jesus christ is the first of many the bible says in other words those people that come to christ those people that come to him and accept the salvation we were speaking of earlier that salvation that has been purchased by Christ, that is what identifies us. That is what answers a need that we have. That is uh, salvation from the, the, the viewpoint of humanity is a need as a part of God's identification, as a, as a part of this covenant blessing of a covenant story, uh, of a covenant experience. In other words, Salvation is something that comes through the Son of God. It belongs to the Lord. It is His salvation. He purchased it. He purchased it with His own blood, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He purchased it. But He chooses freely to give it to us. As I alluded to earlier, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is such a beautiful passage because it says the gift of life the gift of life. It's this through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you come back and go to John 3.16, which is probably one of the most quoted passages in the scripture, when it states, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. In other words, instead of dying the death that we deserved because of the sin that had entered into the world through man, through humanity, we should have deserved the death 
that death of the cross. But instead, Jesus comes in your stead, in our stead. And as he comes as the Lamb of God, then what he is doing is he is paying the price for sin and he is allowing the reconciliation, the coming back together of man in a relationship with God that is purchased through him. Uh, if we go into Revelation in chapter 7, verses 9 through 10, uh, you'll hear, and this is uh, uh, something that you may have heard before, but the scripture reads as follows. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. This is a beautiful passage. For, you see, it is all kindreds. It's all nations. It's all people. In other words, it doesn't matter what, what uh, language you speak. It doesn't matter whether you're Asian, you're white, you're black, you're Hispanic. It doesn't matter uh, where it is that you come from. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter uh, what you've done in your life. Jesus Christ is that same sacrifice for all of humanity, for all of eternity. He has purchased that. That salvation is our God's, and he has given it freely to us. What a beautiful portrayal of the saints worshiping God in this passage. Uh, both, It's breathtaking. It's powerful. Uh, it, it is a time of rejoicing that is brought uh, to a screeching halt, though, if you think about it. It, it's halted if you think about well wait a minute there's all this rejoicing but I'm a sinner I'm sinful in other words in in the future there'll be this rejoicing and the question becomes do I believe in God do I believe in Jesus Christ do I believe in the fact that he died that it was actually him paying the price for me and the truth is that even though the bitterness of humankind's current state of being plagued, being diseased with sin, and as a result continues to be rebellious against God in his fallen position, regardless of that, we have the honor, if we so choose, to one day be a part of the saints that will behold the Lamb of God. But in order for that to happen, it is first necessary for us to acknowledge our fallen condition and our necessity for our Lord and Savior. If you read the passage that states, for behind all, for behind all of this sin, and again we said this earlier, for the wages of sin, what's behind all this sin? For the wages of sin is death. That is what our human condition gets us. But then you have this beautiful conjunction. This beautiful word that contrasts what has been said. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible tells us that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. So in other words, we need to be saved from our sin. We need to be forgiven for our sin. We need to be reconciled unto God so that we may have that relationship with, with God 
instead of rebelling against God. And salvation is the benefit that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Now, if you think about what is written in Revelation chapter 7 verse 10, there's a type of language, covenant language that is used. Uh, so when Revelation tells us that this great uh, a group of people, this multitude of people are worshiping the Lord, well in reality it is that their salvation has been made true and they've made it to heaven and they're now in his presence. They've now been atoned for. They now have been justified. In other words, instead of being guilty before Christ, they instead have been reconciled and forgiven for it. Doesn't mean they're not guilty of their sin. Doesn't mean they didn't sin, but rather it means regardless of your guilt, I'm going to justify you. Regardless of you being a sinner, I'm going to cleanse you. And the truth of the matter is as complex and as deep as this salvation may sound, in reality, it is very simple. Almost so simple that it is hard for a person to believe many times. It's hard for them to believe that all I have to do is ask God will you forgive me for my sin and we think well maybe how do we know this well if you listen to the Lord's Prayer the Lord's Prayer begins when the disciples are asking Jesus can you teach us to pray and you hear him say our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then you hear, depending on which version you read, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or you may hear, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And then it goes on to say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so this prayer is about honoring God, realizing He is sovereign in a place called heaven, and realizing furthermore that He can forgive us for our sin. So if all have sinned, that's you, me, and everybody else, and come short of the glory of God, and if the wages of sin is death, in other words, well, we're all sinners and we all deserve death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then all we have to do is accept Jesus Christ our Lord and ask for that forgiveness. There are so many biblical references that characterize salvation as a personal and individual experience. For example, in Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 6, you hear Paul elaborate on God's recompense unto man according to his deeds. Quote, But after thy hardness and impotence heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds. In other words, what we're saying is 
We're guilty. We're guilty. So if you're guilty, why not accept forgiveness? If we deserve death, why not accept eternal life instead? If we deserve condemnation, but Christ chooses not to condemn us, then why not take him up on that? You're not taking advantage of him. What you're doing is you're giving him pleasure because you're saying, I acknowledge Lord Jesus Christ. I acknowledge that you sacrificed your life for me, for my sin to be forgiven, for my relationship to be reconciled unto you, for my guilt and responsibility for my sin, for my deeds to be justified instead. See, this statement was directed toward the deeds that the person, not a group, had done. In John 3.18, the author explains, He that does not believe in the Son of God is condemned because he did not believe in Jesus, the Son of God. He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And again, this is an individual experience, an individual statement. Notice the pronoun, he, not they. We're not all coming in together. Each person is accountable and responsible for his or her relationship with God and the sin and that that comes with it. When one dies, even if people died in an accident, all together in one car, when you're facing the Lord, you're there individually. You're giving account for what you did, not for what your brother or sister did. And so, we're reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28, verse 28, the author reminds us, he reminds each individual, and this is something that you may hear uh, when, we, when we partake in communion, many times we have to ask for forgiveness first. And listen to the scripture, it says, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So we must examine ourselves before we eat and drink of that cup. We have to make sure that we, in other words, allow the Lord to search us so that we may be forgiven for that sin that is in our heart. I will end today's session with something that comes out of Philippians 2 and 12. When you look at the writer, when you hear Paul, when you hear the author expressing in these words this message, quote, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation and fear with trembling. In other words, in conclusion, Man is indeed in need of salvation. This salvation has been purchased by God for us. It is offered by God unto us. He has paid the price. Notice God paid the price, not us. Notice God has reconciled us 
if we choose to accept this salvation. And notice it is not by our works. It's not by being a good person that you receive this forgiveness. It's not by that. But rather, what it is, is that God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but rather he's long-suffering to us towards, towards us. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, the salvation that has been purchased by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is being offered freely to take the gift of God and all that that salvation entails, all of its benefits. We are asked to take that. The gift, this beautiful gift from a compassionate God. We are asked take this salvation that I purchased because though you're dead in your sin you will rise again because Christ lives then we shall live as well on that morning that first morning after Christ had arisen they came to his tomb and they were told he is not here but is risen Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Friends, my hope, my prayer, my desire is that you too have allowed the salvation of Jesus Christ not to be wasted but that you have taken it that you've willingly accepted it accepted him that you have willingly chosen a relationship with God instead of being separated from God that you have chosen to allow your sin to be forgiven for we are told the scripture conveys the scripture portrays the Bible expresses unto us that if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us and and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God bless you. Tune in for our next session of Interpreting the Word of God. This is Dr. DeLeon signing off. Thank you for listening. God bless you is my prayer. Amen.